0: turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. We're going to continue our study here, verses 15 through 21. We'll read this text, and we'll continue with a word of prayer. We are Jews by nature, and not sinners from the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. But if while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ sin a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a great transgressor, for through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Father, I ask that uh, you would give us insight, you would give us wisdom, you would give us knowledge as to this text, Lord. God, that you would speak by your Spirit through me as we look at this text. And Lord, that we would know that it is of great importance... Lord, that we understand this. Lord, I ask that uh, as we look today, You would give us eyes to see, ears to hear. But Lord, a heart for You. Thank You, Lord, for everything. Amen. So we continue in this passage, the Apostle Paul is trying to make something very crystal clear. Not only is he defending his apostleship, he's also defending the fact that we are justified through the work of Christ and not our own works. He has come against Peter here, who has gone and defected by leaving the Gentiles in the eating with them when the Jews came and he is calling him out. He is saying these actions that you have done only fuel the fire for the Judaizers, for those who are saying that you have to do the works of the law to be able to be saved. Justification comes from Christ and Christ alone. And he made this very clear from his own lips himself. We look at Luke chapter 18, 9 through 14. Jesus here gives us a parable of two men, the Pharisee and the publican. He also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. This Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. Jesus is showing us this same concept, the justification by God and not by man. The Pharisee stood, and says, and he was praying to himself. This literally means that he was speaking out, referring to himself in the third person, publicly proclaiming himself in the third person. In Matthew 6, 5, we get an idea of what's going on because Jesus makes this reference. Matthew 6, 5, he says, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. This is what this man was doing. He was standing in the temple for all to see, And he was raising his voice, speaking of himself in the third person. So we continue, we have this Pharisee, and he's making a scene so that everybody can hear. He prides himself that he doesn't have public immorality as people who we would say have great sin. He even belittles the other man, the tax collector, in this public and open profession. He goes on to preach of his good deeds, his adherence to the law, to try to justify himself. Notice that he never once mentions, not once, any sin that he may have. There's no sense of repentance or humility, only the idea that he is better than everyone else that he has made his way into the good graces of God. I'm sure in this case, he would also say that he is truly praying to himself because surely God would not hear him. God would not lend an ear to such arrogance. We know this. God does not hear those who are not his. But then Jesus brings the attention to the tax collector. This man didn't even feel justified enough to stand anywhere close to the Pharisee. It says he was standing a distance off. He felt that he could not even compare to this man who is revered by the community as a righteous and just man. Why was he revered that way? Because of his works. Because of his works. But this man, this tax collector, he knows his sin. He can't even bring himself to lift his head to God. He's so ashamed. He confesses this shame and he begs. He says, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. He never tries to justify anything. He only confesses. And begs for forgiveness. Jesus tells us that this man was justified because he did not put his faith in works. He did not put his faith in his works, but rather his faith was in God and God's power to forgive and justify. Brothers and sisters, something in the heart of man wants us to think that we can contribute something to our own salvation, that we can contribute something to justify ourselves. That's why world religions are so popular. They tell people that they can and should do good works to get themselves to heaven, that good works combined with the grace of God, we'll get you there. As we all know, this is a very popular message. People want to hear this. And many that preach that, they preach that it's not good enough just to believe in Christ, as we're seeing in this context in Galatians. But you need Christ plus something else. You need Christ plus baptism. Or you need Christ... Plus church membership. There's even a movement that says that if you don't subscribe to the King James Version of the Bible as the only true translation, that you are deceived. So what are you telling me with that? You're telling me that belief in Christ is only through the King James Bible? That's absurd. But those who preach this works based theology commonly refer to James chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 26. This is James, the half brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was head of the Jerusalem church. Here's what James says What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see... That faith was working with his works, and there was, as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was filled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works? when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So is James telling us that we have to have works with our faith to be saved? No, he's not saying that here. James makes many statements about works here in this passage. Verses 14 through 17, he poses three questions. The first one is, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? The second question, Can that faith save him? And the third if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Those are some pretty serious questions. Aren't they? But what's their, what are they meant for? What's the meaning of these questions here? They're meant to bring the reader to an evaluation of their spiritual condition. James is showing us a disconnect between an intellectual knowledge and a working action of faith. James is asking the question, what good is it to have the knowledge of Christ if you have no outward action that shows it or that proves it? You know, it said, the longest journey you'll ever take is the 18 inches between your head and your heart. The knowledge to the belief and the faith. It's the longest journey you'll ever take. This is emphasized in verse 18 when James states, But someone may say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. Your faith is proven out through the works of God in you, the works of Christ in you. He continues his stance of an intellectual knowledge by saying, you believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. Do you understand that Satan and the demons have a correct knowledge and view on who God is? They know. They know. They've seen him face to face and they see him face to face regularly. And we see an example of this in the book of Job. Right off the bat, God addresses Satan up in heaven. He says, where have you been? Satan says, I've been roaming about the earth. Satan knows the power of God. Satan believes in the power of God. Satan's not allowed to do anything unless God gives him permission. He wasn't allowed to do anything to Job until God granted him permission. And you can bet that the demons that are following Satan have that same knowledge and belief. Again, they know God face to face. And it says they are afraid. They shudder. They know it. They have the knowledge. They have the knowledge. And they're afraid of it. But what do their works say? What do their works say? Their works aren't of God. They go against God. They do not have God living in them. James also brings up Abraham in verse 21. He says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected and the scripture was filled, which says, And Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. We can take a look back in Genesis. We know that Genesis 15.6 is the first account of God giving Abraham his belief. At that time, he was known as Abram because God had not made a covenant with him yet. And in turn, with that belief, God reckoned to him righteousness. Go to Genesis seventeen nine through thirteen. God said further to Abraham, "Now, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and your descendants." After you, every male among you shall be circumcised, and ye shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you and every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. A servant who is born in your house or who is bought with money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants, a servant who is born in your house or is bought with your money, shall surely be circumcised. Thus shall my covenant be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. God establishes his covenant with Abraham and God demands an obedient work of circumcision. At 99 years old, God tells Abraham that he wants him circumcised as an obedient work to show as a sign that he has a covenant with God. Now I'm telling you one thing right now, I as a man would be pretty reluctant to get circumcised as an adult, let alone 99 years old. But I think that I would probably be putting up a fight. But the faith that God gave Abraham made him obedient to God. It's not until Genesis chapter 22 that we see the reference from James about Isaac. Which is still past where we're at here. So we can see that Abraham was justified by God before any works were performed. Before Abraham could perform any work of circumcision or adherence to anything that God commanded of him, he was justified by God. The works that Abraham performed did not justify him, it was an outward response of the faith and belief that Abraham had already been given. He'd been given it by God. It's the same with something like baptism. Baptism is not a work that justifies you before God. It is a work that testifies to others that you have a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You do this work to show others your identity in Christ, not the other way around. Baptism is just like circumcision; it does not save you. Christ saves you. The working of God saves you. Paul also makes this argument concerning Abraham in Galatians three six through nine it says even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preaching the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer." Brothers and sisters, both James and Paul are using the same texts to say the same thing. James isn't promoting works-based salvation. What he's saying is that it will be evident where your faith is by your works. Because your faith will come from Christ Your faith is seen as the works of Christ who lives in you What are these works Paul spells it out here I think the best Galatians 5:22 and 23 But the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. They're the works of the Holy Spirit, not of the law. And James sums up this section with the final nail in the coffin. Verse 26, For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. If you have a body without a spirit, what do you have? A body without a spirit in it does absolutely nothing. It doesn't talk, it doesn't walk, it doesn't do good or bad, it's dead. And that's the whole point that James is trying to make. The intellectual knowledge of Christ means nothing if you don't work in obedience. Nowhere in the context of James Does he even imply that a person is saved by doing good works? He was showing us that the works are proof of your faith. And that's where we're going to bring this back to Paul in Galatians chapter 2, our text today. There was my introduction. (laughs) Paul has just called out Peter for his actions of pulling back from the Gentile believers when these Jews came that proclaimed that you need to be circumcised as Gentiles, and you have to do the works of the Mosaic law to be saved. And Paul, in verse 15, told them they have no excuse. The Gentiles, they didn't have the Scriptures, but the Jews, they had the Scriptures. They knew what it said. They knew that you were not justified by works. They knew the scriptures said that you were justified by faith. They knew that Abraham was justified by faith. And Galatians 2.16 says, Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. Paul again, speaking to the Jews that were with Peter, says that you all have no excuse. You know what the Scriptures say, that they prove no one is justified by the law, that we are all justified through faith in Christ. Justification is the opposite of condemnation. Paul uses it here as a legal term, and it means that the judge declares a person not guilty and right before the law. We all know Romans 8 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We as sinners. We're condemned when we tried to do works for our salvation. But we are justified through faith in Christ. Keeping the law is not an acceptable means of salvation. A person can follow laws all their life, but that doesn't change the sinful nature of a man's heart. Just because you don't eat food that God declares is unclean doesn't mean that your heart is right with God, does it? And we have no way in and of ourselves of getting rid of that sinful nature. But we know as followers of Christ that Christ now dwells in us and the works that we do through the Holy Spirit are proof of the changed heart and nature We saw that earlier in James. We continue in Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Brothers and sisters, we have been crucified with Christ. That should make you excited. You should be happy about that. It's not us that lives anymore. We couldn't do it. We're now dead to our old spirit. We have the new spirit of the Holy Spirit in Christ in our bodies. We are alive. We're alive in Christ. We're not saved by works of the law. Paul makes this very clear, and he does it in this last statement. Verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. If all it takes for us is to follow the law to be saved, If we could do it ourselves, then Christ died for absolutely no reason at all. No reason at all. Christ took on punishment of our sin for no reason. His death would be cheapened. And we, get this, all of us, throughout all of time, are guilty of the death of an innocent man if we can do it through our works. Do you believe that Christ died for no reason? I don't. I don't. But the actions of many out there, just like these Judaizers that say, you can do it. You can have Christ, but you have to add the works of the law or the works of whatever to be saved. That's exactly what they're saying. I'm here to tell you that that's not true. The idea that you can add some work to the gospel of Christ for your salvation is a lie straight from the lips of Satan himself. All the good works in the world can't get you there. I don't care what you say. I don't care. It's not possible. It's not possible. You can follow all the laws that were ever penned throughout all of history. It'll never change your heart. It'll never change the sinful nature of man. Only the grace given through faith in Christ will make you just And righteous before the great, mighty, and holy God. And that is what Paul is trying to tell us here. That is what Paul is using to tell the Galatians here. We can't do it. It is through faith in Christ. And we don't bring anything to the table. Yes, works show our heart, our faith. The works of Christ through us show our faith. But our works are not what saves us. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that we cannot save ourselves, that it is only a work of you of Christ himself so that no man may boast so that I cannot stand here and say I saved myself and I cannot stand here and say Christ died needlessly. He didn't have to die. Lord, that was your great work. Lord, I ask that We would daily be seen by others as having Christ in us. And Lord, that would be seen through the works of Christ flowing out of us. Lord, I ask that we would come to you humble and we would come to you greatly exalting you and that our day-to-day lives would show this. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Amen.